exactly 4.30 in the app. We're right here on WRBG-FM, and we're going to continue with the music. We're going to stretch it out to an hour and a half after hours jazz. But first, we have a small interview with one of the top recording industry musicians, possibly better known as God in the world today, uh, Billy Joel. Billy, I want to thank you for coming all the way to St. Martin to do this. And uh, First of all, when did you start writing music? writing music when I was about nine or ten years old. That was to uh, I was supposed to be practicing Beethoven and Mozart and I I got lazy. I didn't want to read the music. Oh yeah. I started making up my own version of it. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And I'm Bob Golden and this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel he wrote so many songs some fast some slow and some go on too long all the hits and hidden gems even the turds it ends at z not a with your friends elon and dave hello everyone and welcome to billy joel a to z today we have a super fun guest for you he is an accomplished musician, and I say that in so many different ways. One of those guys that plays every instrument, but he's mostly made his bones by writing and composing music for television. Like Alon's favorite harmonica player, Toots Thielman, Bob has also written for Sesame Street. He has also composed music and themes for Michael Moore and three of his films, Larry David's Broadway show, Fish in the Dark, and John Oliver's Last Week Tonight Show. But where he and I met and where some of you at this point may have grown up knowing the opening is his theme for the Comedy Central series Insomniac with David Tell. And when you get your lead actor who doesn't sing to sing the opening and the opening is memorable, well, you pretty much win the prize to you can do anything. Also, some of you with kids may know Bob from the unbelievably popular kids band, the Laurie Berkner Band on which he tours and produces the ridiculously popular albums. He can also be seen in the movies What Happens in Vegas and the TV series 30 Rock. Bob is also apparently a psychic. You see, as somehow, just before COVID, he closed the shop, sold his house, and said, Bobby, move out to the country. You see what I did there, Alon? I combined the two songs. Yeah. And now lives in Billy Joel country, where he's turned to pottery for some reason, but he's successful at that, too, which is just annoying, especially after I laughed at him when he left New York and equally when he told me he was going into pottery. But fortunately, however, he still agreed to be my friend. And you will see how awesome he is, too, as we bring him in so Alan and I can talk to him today. Please welcome the journeyman, <laughs> Bobby Golden, everybody. Hello, Bobby. Hi, Dave. Hi, Elon. Hey, Bobby. That was a great. That's the best and only podcast intro I've ever had. But I love that you said in so many ways. <laughs> you can Well, because you are one of the, what I'm saying is you're just a consummate, you know, guy. I mean, you produce and you write, you know, a lot of guys can play a lot of instruments, but they can also do the, you know, the Phil, uh, uh, who's the guy that, uh, what can I think of? The guy who produces all Billy Joel's albums. <laughs> what, what, Bill Ramone. Why do oh, I want to say Phil Rosenthal? I don't know. <laughs> that was but his birth of, name before he got it. Guys he made it Jewish. Yeah, a lot of guys can't do that. You know, they can't. So you do it all and you compose and write and, you know, you can also produce others. And, you know, like a lot, a lot of us have had 
when we're in school, we have uh, the, the music teachers and they're all good at playing all the instruments, but I guarantee you they can't produce an album. You know, so that's why I was saying you do it all. Oh, I love it. And I love that I turned to pot, Uri. I thought you were going to say I turned to pot. No, no, no. I, I don't ever picture you being a pot guy, but you're definitely a pottery. Yeah. We've definitely had some super fun times together. And uh, Bob is a great guy. I've watched him work, and it's it's fascinating watching him produce something. And, of course, the, you know, we were just talking about Sean Altman, not related to Elon. <laughs> like, we, this guy was such a, quote, perfectionist. And we were laughing. I can't even, I don't even know how to explain it. This is stupid. <laughs> no, it's the idea that if someone's in the booth, who's also the artist, so to speak, and you're trying to create a vibe, whatever Dave and I did was not create the right vibe. <laughs> we got him more and more nervous. And then as he got more and more nervous, he began nervously drinking water. And every take sounded like he was like had dry mouth. And he's a consummate professional. So it right. was sort of like the power of David and my mutual laughter really threw him but it was the funniest thing ever oh. anyway i just want to say i'm thrilled to be here i don't want to waste any of your valuable audience time so just jump in and let me let me hit the billy joel part all right so here this is what's first of all i would have invited bob on anyway even if he didn't have billy joel stories because he's a musician he's a good friend and i appreciate his opinion in music and, and again, for the Lori Berkner band, he's a, the drummer. And it's it's so cool. So it's like, he really, because I've seen him play the keyboards mostly. I didn't even know he he drummed. Here's the thing. There's two things that are amazing. And they're both on completely different ends of the spectrum year-wise. So the first thing is that in, I think, what is it, 1981? Oh, the, with the Billy Joel intro. On the airplane. It was, wow, was it 1981? 81 or 82. And, right. and you could probably place it because it was the exact year that Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley met of, and they got married. Of course. Wait, hold on a second. Because you're go okay. So Bob has this goal, which we played at the beginning. You're probably wondering what that was. That's actually Bob's voice, even though it doesn't sound like it. We talked about this earlier, but he met Billy Joel on a plane to St. Martin's, where I think was he going to was that was that the one where he met the girls? What happened is my family used to go to La Samana, which if anybody's been to St. Martin, that used to be the place to go. I felt like I was being dragged away from my friends, but we we're going to this exotic place. Billy Joel was on his way to St. Bart's, which is a puddle jumper over. And back then was the absolute undiscovered coolest place. So we're on the airplane going to St. Martin. We land and the whole plane ride, I'm kind of squeezed in between my brother and my sister. We land. And that was in the days where they used to like play pipe music in the fuselage of the airplane. And you'd be getting out onto a tarmac, getting out of the plane. So they started playing New York, New York, Frank Sinatra's song. And coming out of the mouth of the guy next to my brother across the aisle is Billy Joel, unmistakably. And you hear him crooning along with Frank Sinatra. And he's, everyone's relieved to be there. And people start applauding. And I'm like, oh my God, the whole flight, this guy who looked, Billy Joel's very sort of, not super short, but he's short and he's oddly proportioned. Like when you first meet him, I just thought, you know, I was a kid and he was probably then in his thirties or forties, probably his forties. He just looked a little odd looking. So I wouldn't have picked him out of a lineup as Billy Joel, but he was nice enough to kind of, you know, play along with this whole thing. So we got off the airplane and we went away on our vacation and we're coming back on the plane exactly a week later. 
And for some reason, our family had been bumped up to first class. I have no idea how my dad pulled this, but up in first class is David Hartman, who was a very, at that time, I think he was Good doing Morning the America. Show. Yeah, he was doing Good Morning, Good Morning America. He, he actually in, originated Good Morning America in the 70s. It, yeah, and he was, he was actually almost more famous by look than Billy Joel. Like getting on the plane and going through first class on their way to coach is Billy Joel. I think his, his wife then maybe it was Leanne Franklin. There was some model that he was married to. I don't know what no, her name was. No, but no, he's only married to Elizabeth Weber and Christy Brinkley at the time. I wonder if it was Elizabeth Weber. I got the name. Maybe he was just was friends with this person. If you thought it was a model, then it wasn't Elizabeth Weber. <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> I have to. It's funny. I never went back to check who he was with, but he was with the little entourage. So they get on, walk through. And I'm thinking now at that point, I was at Brown University. I did have a crappy little fake job as a disc jockey, like, but a disc jockey after like 2 a.m. So it was just friends listening back then. So I had a tape recorder that I would just carry with me in case I came up with any little musical ideas. And I said to my brother, what do I, I've got to do something. And my brother, Peter, who was at the time, no, he would have been like, a, I guess he was just starting his career as casting director. He ended up becoming a very, very well-known casting director. Very big casting director at CBS. Yeah, he was at CBS for easily two to three decades. But he said, you got to go interview him. And I just had this little crappy, you know, cassette recorder. So the plane takes off and I'm kind of getting my, my steel balls on and I get up and I just walk to the back of the plane. And it's really awkward. You know, I'm like this kind of raggedy college kid and I see him, he's on an aisle seat. And I said, uh, Billy Joel, I, I think I actually said Billy Joel, I didn't say <laughs> Mr. Joel or Billy. I said, I, um, I'm Bob. I, and then I immediately was like, you know, I'm Bob. I'm working at W, uh, BFM. I even got the call signal wrong. I mean, everything was wrong. <laughs> you mind if I do a quick interview, you know, interview with you. And he said, sure, go get, go get the tape or whatever. So I go back to first class and I'm thinking, this is, I know I, I went completely blank. And I, all of a sudden I realized I'm really interviewing him just because he's in the plane. It could have been any, I could have gone up to, you know, David Hartman. But right. I you know, was now interested in Billy Joel. I wasn't a super fan, but who couldn't love his, you know, at that point, he had like three or four solid real hits and he was great. And I went back with my cassette in the aisle. So you hear a ton of airplane noise. And I dug this thing out five years ago. So it had been forever. I'm lucky I found the cassette. So I went back, kneeled down in the aisle and basically proceeded this ridiculous interview. He was I mean, I listened to it today for the first time in a long time. I'm realizing now how much he gave to me, given I knew nothing about him. And he was so easy with that. I'd ask him a question. He legitimately gave me well, great answers. There's a couple of things. For, I mean, first, he admits he's a dictator when he's, uh, you know, in a session. He makes that, which is really interesting, especially back then. Like, you know, you, you got, kind of got a scoop. He, uh, he, he doesn't care for Frank Zappa. That was interesting. He's like, no, nah, he doesn't make a lot of music. It's not musical enough. I mean, you get him yeah, to say you, a bunch of stuff. He gives you his whole, you know, he, he wasn't going to Columbia University. He was going to go to Columbia Records. He gave me so right. Well, that's the best is when you're like, so did you go to college? No, I, I didn't graduate. <laughs> Thanks for asking, jerk off. <laughs> and my oh. favorite also is when you're like, hey, you ever going to be up around the Providence area? We were just there on the last tour. You fucking. <laughs> oh my God. No, he's nothing but polite. Did you go through college? I didn't graduate high school. Went all the way 
stupid enough because I was working in these clubs three or four o'clock in the morning. And you're supposed to get up at seven to go to school, so I missed half the day and I just kind of slumped in. I was kind of a beatnik in school. I went to the end of 12th grade and they said, well, we can't graduate you. And this is true. They, and I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to Columbia University. I'm going to Columbia Records. No, I was, I was stammering. And yeah. all I wanted to do, actually at the time, I was a huge Frank Zappa fan. And all I wanted to do was talk about Frank Zappa. That was over like that. He's like, yeah, it was really a- right because it's such an odd question. So, do you like Zappa? You sounded like you were one of <laughs> like a kid interviewing Lori Berkner, you know. Like, so, do you like Frank Zappa? Uh, no, not really. I don't think he's musical enough. You don't think he's musical enough? What the hell's the matter with you? You know what, Mr. Joel? I thought you were cool when I first got it. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Well, you uh, turned into <laughs> Mr. Bill for that. Well, I was trying to do a little kid's voice. <laughs> oh, okay. But here's the thing. I did say, how did you break into the music business? Because, of course, that's what was on my mind. And he goes, how did I break in? Which you could have just, you know, torn me apart on that. But he ended up saying, because I and then I immediately said, well, I was playing, I'm playing drums in a, you know, in a band. He goes, well, I guess I was playing in a bar band confusion. He was just great. He was so likable. I almost thought for a second we were friends. Yeah. Of course, no, it last- sounds that way. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of obviously airplane noise, but it's he just didn't seem annoyed. He seemed relaxed. He he was into it. He obviously is a good guy. And you were obviously not annoying. The best is you were talking about the intro I just gave you. You did the same thing, which again, we just played like the jazz station. We're going to run a little long today because we got a guest. Uh, <laughs> that's so balls in itself. Like you're like, you're even doing the call letters, and everything beforehand. I, if a I professional had known, even back then. Well, if I had known and I should have known that I'd probably run into him again, I should have been prepared or I should have thought I just saw Billy Joel. He was on my flight. I should learn a little bit. You know, I should go on the internet. Did not exist then. There right. was no way. Of course. At that point, the St. Martin's library was very limited. So can yeah, we the, maybe, the music section must have only had Bob Marley in it. I wonder, yeah. Alon, if we can say that this trip was the one where he met Christy Brinkley and Elle McPherson. I mean, I, I think St. so. Bart's, right. Basically, I think was that the result? Did that result in Alexa Ray? No, 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 no. no, no. But there was a trip he took, his first vacation since his divorce, first time getting away. He went to St. Bart's on the same night. He's playing piano in a hotel and he meets Christy Brinkley and Elle McPherson. And it sounds like this was the trip. Yeah. And so it, you caught him basically the first interview after his entire life pivoted and he realized he could date models. Because that's Bob, the timeline, the timeline adds up. If you're talking about 82, he probably he just he had said he just finished an album. He's probably talking about the nylon curtain. And and then he goes to St. Bart's to relax and comes up with an innocent man and meeting these because I, I think you caught him on the trip that changed his entire life and trajectory. Like it's it's crazy. I absolutely think that was what was happening. I think he was down there to have fun. And that's the St. Bart's is the place to go if and especially back then, if you want to change your life. That was exactly what was going on. So it was, you know what though, it was such a non-event. In the scheme of things, like I got back, there was no social media. There was no, you know, there's nobody you're going to tell. I told five people, nobody cared. And it kind of just disappeared wow. from the ether. I'm glad I found it. And because I have a recording studio, it was easy to digitize it and keep it for posterity. But back then, that would have been a selfie. It would have been a TikTok video. It would have been a million things. Yeah. Although 
I think people find all that stuff so obnoxious now. And back then, that was as close as you got to social media. A guy in the aisle of a plane with an old cassette recording device. Yeah. You had one of those little cassette ones, right? Like the little dictation ones or something, maybe. I think that's what it was. It yeah. was either that or it was like one of those. There was it wasn't a Walkman back then. It was probably just the size of the actual cassette. Yeah. And it was things that flipped open. It was awful. It could have. Yeah. I'm lucky I didn't record over it. I mean, it's it that stood the test of time. I didn't digitize that till like 2000. I want to say 10. I mean, that went 20 something years, 30 years before it ever. I found it. I could not. I didn't even label it well. But he was he was amazing. And I think at the end of the flight, there was something that happened when he was getting off because I wanted to lag. You know, they make first class get off. And it was this weird thing where I'm like, no, my buddy's back in coach. Wait, Billy Joel was in coach. That's why at the end I said, I'll bring you up to first class whenever you're ready. Oh, I heard that. I, <laughs> I guess I thought it was I thought it was the opposite way. <laughs> no, that's what was so crazy. My dad had gotten us bumped up to first class and it was really weird to what part of what gave me a little bit of the uh, inclination to do it is he was back in coach. I thought I can go to coach. If he had been in first class, it would have been trespassing. Right. Even yeah. back then. But, and the weird part is too, it's like, he didn't even get mad at you when like, not only were you in first class, you little know-it-all kid, but you also went to Brown and he didn't go to college. He's, he could have just hated you. You That's obviously really are that type of guy that people enjoy. I mean, listen, you did the same thing to me. Uh, when you wanted to be friends with David Tell, do you remember? Like you're good at just going for it, and that's why you're successful. You get what you want, and you just do it. It's amazing. I wish I was more what like that. Dave, what? What did I do with Dave? I don't remember that. I remember when being on. A we boat were at the Insomniac him. party on the boat, and you're like, "Hey, I, I want to be friends with David Tell," and I'm like, "No, you don't. No, no, I really do." <laughs> like. And I was like, how can I do that? I'm like, you don't want to do that. Will you trust me? And now to this day, do you believe me? <laughs> oh, wait, let me just, I just want to, I want to double down on that. I remember I had done the music for a show for four years and felt like he was unknowable. So that was back when he was drinking. So we'd have like rap parties for the show. And I worked out of my studio. So I never saw anybody on the show. So I loved everybody. I was kind of like this away from the production nightmare of the show and you know, that was probably a disaster producing that show. But we'd go to these rap parties and Dave would sit at the bar. He didn't want anything to do with anybody, but he'd show up at these rap parties. And I thought he was the funniest person I had ever met. And I loved comics. So I would try to go down and hang out at the bar. And you know that feeling like, Dave, you probably know this early on. I'd go down and be like, hey, how's it going? And I'd get a drink and he'd get up and leave. <laughs> like, no, no qualms about it. It was kind of like he didn't want to get to know anybody. That's when we had one of those rap parties, which is where I met you. And I'm yeah, like, what's the, the deal with this guy? I want to definitely want to. I didn't even think I'd be friends. I just wanted to, you know, to hang out with him. Yeah, yeah. That's what you said. It was really funny. I mean, obviously, he would never do that to me, Lever, you know, because we I'd known him before he was all that, you know. So so I was the it, guy to talk to. And I said, listen, Bob, if you really want to go down this path, I will set <laughs> this up. And it's so funny, Alon. Now, Bob and I talk all the time. Just we're like, what the fuck is the matter with this guy? <laughs> like, it's really funny. <laughs> Bob's all in. <laughs> you know, I can't get yeah. out.
anyway, fast forward to yeah. 40 years later. Okay, let's do this. And uh, in fact, it was Bob's uh, significant other that told me this story. And I'm like, get him on the podcast. Uh, tell us the story that happened to you only two or three weeks ago. Exactly. There was a buddy of mine that came out to celebrate his 77th birthday. A guy named Mickey Tate, who's just amazing. He has a company called Tate Towers. They do the stagings for every rock and roll show. So that's why Billy Joel's name came up. So we're okay. So we go to this place in Sag Harbor that's called the American Hotel, and it's a really high end, overly expensive, but great place. And he loves it. So I thought I'll take him out to dinner. The first thing that happens is we pass this table we're sitting right next to, and it really looks like Christy Brinkley, who's looks amazing. You know, I don't know how old she is. She's sixty nine. Unbelievable. She looks incredible. Yeah, yeah she so looks I, incredible. And you know that thing where you don't want to point, especially out here, even wherever you are, you really don't know how to signal to anybody else because nobody's paying any attention. So I said to Kathy, I, I kind of do this little head shake. <laughs> like, what? And that's never a good response because it's like you're not trying to notice it. So we sit down and I basically say, I'm, I'm, that looks like Christy Brinkley. So she gets up, goes to the bathroom, comes back, and she said, I don't think it is. So I lose track. I don't pay attention to anybody else at the table, just Christy Brinkley. There's like a woman and two guys and Christy. So I'm going to say like 45 minutes, an hour into drinks, we start talking about going to some karaoke and Mickey starts talking about how he doesn't really sing. But then his wife, Lauren, I think said, well, I might sing a Billy Joel song. And then we started talking about Billy Joel songs because they're, you know, they're so fun to sing and they're tuneful. And all of a sudden, as we mentioned, Billy Joel almost out like it sounds like our table is overly saying the name Billy Joel. I see this girl keep turning around and I'm like, oh, my God, that's definitely Alexa Joel. No question. And then I feel like she is probably thinking, are they trying to figure out if it's Christy Brinkley and Alexa Joel? Why are they mentioning my father's name over and over? And it got to the point where I'm the only one facing the table. Everyone else is kind of has their back. So it looks like I'm the only one that would be doing that. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's, on, it's really embarrassing. It goes on too long. And then Mickey had built Billy Joel stages. So there's all this. And then I basically tell this story now, because I realize it's Alexa Joel. I'm just going all the way. And I tell him how I met Billy Joel. He was incredible. So at the end of their dinner, because we got there after them, they stand up and Christy leaves. The two guys sort of walk out and Alexa turns, looks at us and says, I'm so glad you guys love my father's music, which was the coolest thing to say. And then she said, I've been listening to you all night. I, I want to go to karaoke and sing. And then she's doing like an acapella song. And it was eerie how, you know, she's so cool. Her dad is very cool. Her mom's cool. It just was great. And then I actually told her, you know, in the 80s, I interviewed her dad. I told her that story. She was smitten. And of course, I have not heard from her nor Billy Joel since. What? So, how can that be? No. But you got to ask, there's big questions to ask her. Like, does she like Frank Zappa? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, and when is she coming to Providence? Yeah. <laughs> she was really cool. Like that whole family is just, they seem really unaffected. And Well, you, you know, know why? Because they fucking live in Long Island. They don't live in Hollywood. They don't live in New York City. I, we, you know, we, Alana and I tell this uh, story that Scott Ackerman told us when he was with Paul Rudd and. Uh, that other guy that he just carries his own clams in his pockets. I mean, it's like the guys, uh, that's not normal, but at least it's not Hollywood. No, this is, well, this is the, 
this is like a weird version because Alec Baldwin's out here. There's a lot of summer celebrities in the Hamptons, a lot. Yes, but this was in March, February, March, which means they're they're real. It's like, you know, when you're at the shore in the winter, you're a real resident there. And that's the difference, I think, that makes it. He's not just there in the summers like Steven Spielberg or whoever. You know, I mean, this is, he's the real deal. He, I, I think he likes Long Island. He seems to sing about it a lot. I, but uh, he's, it's real proof. And I guess that's why he's clearly not affected. And it's kind of great that uh, Christy and Alexa Ray aren't either. Yeah. And she was I was in, you know, that whole thing. Um, It's that thing where you read. I can't remember the name of the book, but it was like performed where they read lines from another book. There was a whole. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, because my friend who just died used to put it together. It's celebrity autobiographies or something. It was at the uh, at the Triad Theater. Yeah. And they did one out here a few years ago. And Christy Brinkley was one of the celebrities. And it was a great group. And I had I had been friends with Colin Jost, who was also one of them. So he invited us to this little after party and I was sitting across from Christy Brinkley and that was like probably eight or nine years ago. And she was amazing then. She looked amazing. She was super cool. So yeah, this is a great, it's a great town for that kind of just connecting like that. We also just found out recently and I I don't know why I didn't know, I guess because she's just a model and seems, you know, we just think she's automatically stupid. She's real smart. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize uh, Alana and I were talking like we're watching an interview with her and she speaks fluent French and, you know, all this kind of when you hear her interviewed, you, you get it. But if you see her, if you see her on vacation or something like that, you're like, oh, she's got to be stupid. I mean, she's a blonde. She's a model, you know, but she's not. And I guess that's the other reason her daughter and her are grounded. Yeah. And actually, now that you're saying that, I think Lauren was singing Uptown Girl was the first thing that came out of her mouth. So it was, I think that was the song that was written about Christy Brinkley. Yes. So that was a real, like, perfect song Bob, choice. You, you said something about your friend building stages for Billy Joel. What does that mean? Oh, my God. Well, if you don't know this guy, Tate Towers, and Elon, if you have a computer, just look at Tate Towers, T-A-I-T. Tate Towers okay. is this company that's in Lytus, Pennsylvania, and he's become, like, a one of my best friends. He, his company makes the stages for every act and he's done it for the past, you know, 40 years. And he started out touring with yes. And then he ended up doing the big formative concert in the round at the first yes, you know, and I think it was the garden in the late seventies. And they had a circle they had like a film canister that turned around. That was the stage. And then he started this company, Tate towers and he's done everybody's stages. He was a, you know, a lighting guy. He's done everything. They just did, they did the Super Bowl. They did that crazy Rihanna oh Super Bowl with all those levels. Yeah, that was that guy. Yeah, jeez, that's um, that was unbelievable. Everyone was talking about like how was that supported in a in a dome that's open air. Wow, that's something else. How do you like? Because I was just going to say, Alana, it seems like all he does is the swiveling piano gag, you know. But uh, yeah. I'll shut up now. <laughs> he has a close friend who is Billy Joel's production manager. They were going to get us like backstage Billy Joel um, passes to, you know, a few years ago. Billy Joel keeps doing the garden. Um, and I think he's doing it again. Or is he doing it well, now? He does it every month. I'm just trying to stay consistent with my old interview. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> is that in New York City? I can't remember. Is the garden there? <laughs> 
Bob, there's one other thing I it's funny I've forgotten to say when when I said you're just that kind of guy that just will make the cold call and just go for it and stuff. The Alan, the funniest thing is like he did it with Billy Joel, he did it with David Tell, and then he also did it with Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Oh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> he called up, he goes, Sherry, I want to work with you. Is that not true? Not with that voice. No, I I had this is I was super motivated. Oh, and this I, is Lamb Chop. Uh Sherry there. I'm just kidding. What? Who is this? <laughs> this was a great. This tells you everything you need to know about. Pick up the phone and call because you don't know what's going to happen. So I had done three songs for Sesame Street and decided I was ready to do every <laughs> kids show. So I found WGBH. I think in Boston was doing her show, and I would comb shows because I thought, well, I've done one kids show. I can do it any of them now. Basically, I should. Sesame Street is like the crown jewel of the kids show. That's right. So I got the number for what I thought was like some empire of Sherry Lewis. And somebody picks up the phone. And I said, hi, can I speak to Sherry Lewis? Who's this? Um, it's Bob Golden. And they're like, Bob who? And I go, Bob Golden. Oh, okay. Hold on for a second. And then another guy gets on the guy gets on the phone and says, oh, who is this? And I said, it's Bob Golden. He goes, this is Jim Golden. Are we related? And <laughs> no, Jim Golden, I guess, was her manager. So oh. it was the weirdest thing. So I'm like, I don't think so. He goes, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm a songwriter. I've do, been doing stuff for Sesame Street, and I'd love to write for your show. He said, hold on for a second. Hello, Bob. This is Sherry Lewis. Oh, it wow. was three people, and I got to Sherry Lewis, and it was like surreal that she was on the phone. And I said, hi. She goes, so what? Tell me about yourself. So I said, well, I've done a couple songs for Sesame Street. She goes, ooh, um, can you send me a video of what you've done? It happened very quickly. And she's like, well, we're going to put together a reel. We're looking for songs now. So it's perfect timing. We're going to put together a reel of songs. The way I like to work is uh, you give me a song title. If I like it, I'll tell you to go forward. I'll ask you to write the song, the lyric first, preferably. Then we'll go back and forth and we'll do it like that. And I said, this is incredible. That's fantastic. True to form. She's, they FedExed me like a video of like 40 songs. So I watched that. I then had a list of like 10 ideas. I call her back. They saw my stuff. Obviously, I was who I said I was. And then she said, what do you got? And I said, well, I have these t- 10 you know, titles. She goes, no, we did that. We did that. We did that. And then I said, well, how about it was called Follow the Leader. She goes, oh, I love that. What's Tell me about it. And I hadn't gone past title. So I was like, oh, well, it's a song in which you know, you st- it starts off and you're the leader. And, every- and I barely knew the cast of the show. I knew Charlie <laughs> Horse and Lamb Chop. But I was like, and then maybe Charlie Horse is the leader. And she's like, oh, I like it. Write it. So I write the song and then send it to her. Oh, no. First, she said, how does it end? And I'm like, let me call you right back. And then I came up with the idea of, well, Lamb Chop's the leader, and he doesn't want to do it. He's tired. He wants to take a nap. So they all have to nap. The song ends. She, oh, write the song. There were no revisions. I, I just got a call saying, your episode is going to be on. And that was it. It was wow. like, and then there was another song called Funny Fred the Farmhand. But at that point, I was already, well, this is easy to do. I'm just going to call you know everybody. So I just started putting the word out. But that's a lesson for everybody about a little bit of tenacity and just pick up the phone. And there might be a lesson for Billy Joel. If you go to college, you will get ripped off that much less. 
Okay, Lance Chelp, here I am. I took off my costume because I'm not the master of ceremonies. This is definitely your show. Now, you can sing your song. I don't want to. All right, well then, how about this? How about if I sing a song to you? Repeat what I say and we'll make Lance Chelp feel better. I love, I love my glove. Thank yes. you so much for joining us today. I know how busy you are, and I love these two stories. And then you added in some more stuff we weren't even expecting. This is really great. Thank you so much for joining us. Where, where can uh, what's coming up with the Lori Berkner band? When uh, what I know you guys are on tour. So what's uh, next? This comes out around uh, in a couple of weeks. You have we anything got, coming up in May or June? Well, we've got a record coming out. I can't remember what her drop date is. She's. She's doing something interesting because the record industry has changed so dramatically. And, you know, to give Lori more than just the credit she deserves, she has been on top of it. So all through COVID, she was, she was the only person who successfully did streamed concerts. She would sell out stream concerts, whatever that means. Like she was wow. making more money doing this. And she had the great idea of we had to get up and running with, you know, some version of Zoom. I guess it was more FaceTime where she'd edit us in. So it was appear as though we're, you know, we're talking with her, but it was live, which is yeah, really hard. I saw that. It was amazing. Oh, you did. That's right. I saw you on it. Well, you're such so, a, you're so, you're so amazing. You're so smiley. You had a pig on your head and you're just such a good sport. It's uh, it's, it's really fascinating. He knows it's a kid's thing and he does it as such. Well, that is to genuinely, I mean, that's a whole different story, but she's, she's somebody who has done something that is breathtaking for kids like she really is who she appears to be and more she's thoughtful beyond belief her heart is huge and she gives a thousand percent on stage but what she did do that was really smart was she figured out social media and her audience so she grew her youtube base and blah 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 but she ends up doing records and then she has this thing called like a berkner break and she will present a little bit of a song and it's a great way of teasing an album which is she's always been doing this she's smart um, yeah, so we, and and Alana, I, I don't mind telling you, like when I I told my sister, I'm like, well, I don't know, this guy plays for some uh, kids uh, thing, and she's like, wait, Louis Berkner, like she totally knew. Uh, so this woman, you don't have any kids, so you don't know, but anybody with kids, I think, knows. Like she's huge. So what are the what are the audiences like at these shows? Like, is it little kids and their parents? Are they going crazy? Yeah, her thing is, we play like 1,500 to 2,000 seat theaters. And it's like, it's like Springsteen for kids. The moment the music starts, these kids are up and out of their chairs and standing. It's like a flank of little kids. And there was one show where they had like a bouncer run down because like this little three-year-old kid was like climbing like a, a monitor <laughs> kid trying to get on stage. It was like dawn of the littlest dead. 
<laughs> uh, you can actually see Bob in Lawrence, Kansas on April 22nd and uh, perfect Westbury, New York, April 30th and Norwalk, Connecticut, May 7th. And then there's a bunch of shows on Mother's Day. Then you're going to Dallas, White House Station, New Jersey, Highland Park, Illinois. I mean, she's on tour and Bob tours with her. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such a pleasure, so much fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, look for him in the Lori Berkner band and all the other stuff he does. Buy some of his pottery, right? That's a whole nother story. <laughs> That's a whole um, nother yeah. story for another time. Yeah, when, you, when you're doing A to Z in pottery, call me. <laughs> all, all right. right. Great meeting you. Bob Golden on Billy Joel, A to Z. From all about soul Way down to Zanzibar It's still rock and roll Though we don't play no guitar You rank them high, rank them low You may be right, big man on Mulberry Street Here on Billy Joel A to Z